Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 28, following along with There's a Prophet in Israel, 2 Kings chapters 2 to 7. And we're still behind. Uh, it's funny, I'm actually caught up as far as um, where I'm supposed to be reading, and, and uh, I guess where you're supposed to be reading as well this week is supposed to be the reading of Esther, the book of Esther. And I'm actually studying for Job already, um, so I'm just behind on recording these podcasts. But... Uh, I said last week that you would just see a couple come out, and uh, here we are. So, I don't know. We're going to catch up. I don't know when, but we're going to catch up. Uh, in the meantime, again, let's talk about Second Kings chapters 2 through 7. So, it says, A prophet's main mission is to teach and testify of the Savior Jesus Christ. Our record of the prophet Elisha, however, doesn't include much of his teaching or, prof- or, or testifying. What the record does include is the miracles Elisha performed, including raising a child from the dead, feeding a multitude with a small quantity of food, and healing a leper. So while we don't have Elisha's words bearing witness of Christ, we do have, through Elisha's ministry, powerful manifestations of the Lord's life-giving, nourishing, and healing power. Such manifestations are more plentiful in our lives than we sometimes realize. To see them, we need to seek the miracle Elisha sought when he prayed on behalf of his fearful young servant, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Uh, I love that end part right there, that that's what we should be praying for. We should be asking that our eyes may be opened to be able to see the Lord's hand in our life every day. Um, So don't have a lot, I guess, that I want to talk about necessarily in this lesson other than uh, some miracles. And that's what the focus is on is like um, miracles in our lives and how to seek them, how to know them. And I think, honestly, like... From beginning to end, I can conclude with we should be seeking miracles in our lives. And if we're faithful, um, that we will be seeing them. Uh, miracles don't precede the, the, yeah, they don't precede the faith. They come after the faith. And um, so it's not, I'll have faith once I see miracles, but it's, I've been enacting my faith. I've been working it. So I should be seeing miracles in my life. And uh, so let's talk about that. In section three, it says, if I am humble and obedient, Jesus Christ can heal me. And there's a scripture. This is talking about the story of Naaman when he comes to Elisha and uh, seeks to be healed of his leprosy. Uh, it's funny, funny, actually, because just in this last general, general conference, I was reading one, uh, probably two of the talks, actually. And two mention the, uh, the faithful maid who, you know, goes to her master and and then the wife of Naaman, who passes this on about the prophet Elisha, um, kind of that Naaman never would have been able to have faith in the prophet had it not been for the the faithful maid. Those are two stories shared in conference that I thought were, that were cool as we talk about this lesson. Um, anyway, so the, the scripture I want to read is in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13. It says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou that wouldst thou not have done it? 
How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean, uh, excuse me, that is the end, wash and be clean. And this is used a lot, this story, uh, at least for me, I've heard this story a lot, especially when we talk about faith and reference to faith and how, you know, we'll, we'll have faith in these like mighty miracles, these mighty acts. But then when it's the small things, like read your scriptures every day, say your prayers every day, um, you know, go to church weekly, partake of the sacrament, these repetitive tasks that were promised if we do them, that we will receive the Holy Ghost, um, we'll have his companionship, we'll, be, we'll have a greater portion of the Spirit, and we'll see and have miracles in our lives. But then why do we, we fail to act on that faith? Or why do we fail to do those things constantly? I know I certainly do. Uh, I struggle to, to maintain doing all the things and, and increasing in my faith in the small stuff. But then if it's the big things, it's like, yeah, I'm ready. And why? Why is that? I think it speaks to us somewhat in, in kind of a romantic sense that we like. It's kind of like the the fairy tales of the, the knights saving the princesses and towers from the dragons, the um, the great noble task to be a hero. I, th- I feel like, and, and maybe this isn't true for you, but for me, this is spoken to the desire to be a hero in my own life and the lives of those around me. Uh, doing those mighty things, not that they necessarily come easier, but there's a greater desire just because it's, it's like, ah, my, my heroic moment. It's my time. But a hero is not made in the fighting of the dragon. It was the preparation, right? The, the preparation before of, you know, the daily, as we're talking about prayer. Um, David didn't conquer Goliath because he had been training his whole life to fight giants. He conquered Goliath because he had been saying his daily prayers. He'd been reading his scriptures. He had faith in God and who's going to think. So then when it came time for a task that he was not prepared for, and even, even so God actually did prepare him, right? We talk, talks about how he slayed a lion, slayed a bear. So God had indeed prepared him for those things, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't the specific, oh, he was practicing. And so when the time came, he was just ready. It was convenient for him. It was God's power. And that's the same for us. We will have our own heroic moments. There will be times, great times in our lives where we do need great uh, shows of faith. But those great shows of faith will not happen for us if we haven't been doing the small things. Those daily tasks that, that will prepare us. Otherwise, I think we will stand at the doorstep of our dragon and we will quake and we will fear and ultimately we will we will fail. And so Naaman here, uh, he does listen to the words of his servant and he acts on those things and then he gets the miracle that he desires. And so I think the greatest miracle in Naaman's life wasn't that he was healed of leprosy, but it is that he was able to conquer his own pride in this moment. I don't know if he was able to conquer his pride the rest of his life, the scriptures don't necessarily, I guess, share that key detail or fact. But in this moment, he certainly was able to enact faith and did have faith in the prophet thereafter and in the God of Israel. And the same can be true for us. And then in section four, uh, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. The story of the uh, the armies coming for Elisha and uh, how he didn't fear that God fought his battle for him, essentially, but that... Also, he was able to show his servant 
uh, kind of opened his eyes. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, it says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And uh, I love this scripture, but I also think in our own lives that's true, that there are more fighting with us than we know. Um, that's really comforting for me in this day and time, in this what's happening in the world right now. I think it's easy to to look on the news or to to see kind of what's happening in the world and feel like, uh, or just being on social media, honestly, and feeling like the world is more corrupt than it's ever been, uh, feeling depressed or downtrodden when we see the uh, the attacks against the faithful, or if you just hold any sort of Christian value right now, um, while you're not being dragged into the street or anything like that. Uh, certainly you're not a fan favorite in the world's eyes. And um, I personally have not gone through any persecution on that front, but I have had friends that, that have, and I'm seeing, again, it's the social media is the great sounding board for just people able to yell and be upset about stuff. But um, it, it can feel depressing, especially when we see those who were once faithful members joining with us and uh, no longer do so and have bitter feelings towards for, towards gods, towards the church, or towards those that they once called friends. And uh, for me, that's hard. So it, it, this scripture comforts me in knowing that there are more fighting with us. Uh, we're not in this fight alone. And uh, I, I've said it before. I'll continue to say, like, you are not in this fight. I'm with you. Um, in the fight for right, in the, in the fight for, you know, righteousness and for faith and for God. Uh, there's definitely more on his, his team, but sometimes we're, you know, we're quiet and we're not seeking to go start wars or start contention. And so the, the faith far less seen sometimes than, uh, those who lack faith or, or seek to tear down others' faith, but you're not alone. Uh, we're not alone. And we certainly have many on the other side who are fighting with us in this great work. And then chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And so, as I just literally said, there are more on the side of the veil, the other side of the veil fighting with us. But a different observation here is that, to me, it sounds like Elisha had the gift to see through the veil because he was... He was already seeing this. Otherwise, how would he know to pray to the Lord and ask him to open his servant's eyes if his eyes weren't already opened? Um, and so to me, that means there is a gift of being able to see through the veil. That would have to be a gift uh, since not everyone has it and it has to be given from God. Otherwise, how could Elisha pray for it for his servant? So if it's a gift to see through the veil, that also means that we're able to obtain this gift uh, through faith and uh, through practice. Now, I don't know how. I don't know how you would practice seeing through the veil or, or not. I would imagine, this is just my guess. This is me spitballing here. You would have to be, um, you'd have to be virtuous. You'd have to be keeping the commandments. You'd have to... Um, have the Holy Ghost, obviously, as your companion, but also you'd have to have the gift of discernment uh, to be able to, you know, 
on a C. And you'd also be having to see clearly, see things as they are on both sides of the veil, not just on one, but on both. Um, so I, again, I don't know how you practice that other than keeping the commandments. We are told uh, throughout all the books of Scripture that we should be seeking the gifts of the Spirit, asking for those things, and that as we do so in faith, God will bless us as needed. So you can't demand a gift or whatnot, but certainly we can practice just like any skill. Uh, I don't know how, but it's, it's more of a just an observation I made because of the scripture that seeing through the veil is a gift and it's something that then, therefore, if it's a gift, it can be obtained through faith, study, and practice. Um, just an observation I wanted to share. So, so I want to leave you with this. In, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 18, Jehoram and Jehoshaphat, they're the, the kings of Israel, uh, the northern and southern kingdoms, and... They were worried. They were worrying about winning the war against the Moabites. Uh, the Moabites were coming to destroy them. They were worried, so they seek out the prophet Elisha. And God answers them through the scripture. Uh, is, he says, and this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. This, this, uh, this war or whatever against the Moabites. These are two kings. This is God's answer to these two kings who, I mean, they controlled all the armies, um, of Israel. And that's God's answer is that it's a light thing in the sight of the Lord. I think for us, we can take that in our own lives for the, the great, you know, wars, I suppose that we face the things that stress us out the most, the, the things that we're most concerned about. Uh, when we go to the Lord, we can have faith knowing that they are a light thing for the Lord. Just because it's a light thing doesn't mean he's going to, um, take our trials, our wars, our burdens away from us. He's not going to take those conflicts away. Um, but he knows us. He knows what we need, and he knows how to succor us. And so that we can have faith in him that it is a light thing for him. We don't need to fear like, oh, I have this this trial in my life, and I'm worried to bring it be before you because I know it's going to be, you know, it's a big thing for me, so it's definitely going to be a big for thing for you. Um, not so. It's a light thing for the Lord, and so we can... Trust him when we go to him that, that he knows how to sucker us and he knows how to carry us over it. He wants us to succeed, and we have to believe that. And even when it feels like, you know, we're being thrown a lot in our lives, we are having a lot of trials that seem to stack on, and, and, and it's just like, I don't have enough energy or strength to overcome this trial. Uh, continue to have faith, continue to persevere, and seek the miracles that you want. Seek the miracles that both that you want, but that God also will give you. And I promise you that he will give you those miracles. For me, this is the lesson I've learned is that the miracles often don't come in the way that I want them to, or the way I thought they would come, or what seems logical to me. A lot of times I'll kind of break things down like, okay, this has to happen for this to happen. That means this will happen and this and on and on and on. And if all those steps fall exactly into place, then the miracle I want will occur. And um, the Lord allows me to, to think through that and, and stuff. But in the end, typically it's factors that I had no idea. There will be someone who answers my, my prayer that I did not expect, you know, I did not expect them to be part of the equation. Um, things change. 
in life that I just never could have predicted. Uh, circumstances change. And uh, sometimes, honestly, I change or my desires have changed where at one point I really wanted something to occur. And then over a course of months, I realized that 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 what I wanted originally, I actually didn't want at all. That would be a terrible thing for me to want because it just didn't match my personality or where my goals in life were or anything like that. And so God allows me to to learn, you know, what I both want and don't want through those means. And I promise he'll do the same for you. I'm nothing special. So uh, I promise you that miracles exist. They happen. They happen all the time. And my question to you is, will you pray to have your eyes opened to see them? Thanks for joining my family room discussion. Until we meet again, have a blessed week.